0: Welcome to Live Truth Podcast, a podcast geared towards helping women to know Jesus, love Jesus, and live truth boldly, which should in turn cause us to glorify God with our lives, think biblically, and be compelled to make disciples.
1: Hey y'all, welcome to Live Truth Podcast. My name is Katrika, I'm your host. I hope you're having a wonderful day so far today, or have had a wonderful day, depending upon what time you're listening. Today, I have on Haley Williams, who is the host of Kindle Podcast and a powerful voice the Lord is using in this hour for this generation, which is why I have her on to discuss a topic that not many of us like to discuss, politics. So besides her podcast, Haley is a great encouragement and one who speaks boldly on Instagram to the lies of our culture and points us to Christ. If you are not following her on Instagram, I highly recommend it. She did leave. Um, information on how to connect with her within the episode and if you would like to please share your heart with me after you have listened i would love to hear your thoughts here is the conversation between Haley and i all right thank you so much for joining me Haley.
0: sorry hi thank you for having me
1: um if you will for us tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to faith in christ yeah
0: absolutely Um, so yeah, my name is Haley Williams. I am a wife, a mom of three. I have three girls who are seven, five and two. Um, and as far as my journey to Christ, I was raised in a Christian home, grew up, uh, going to church and knowing the gospel. I would, I I shouldn't say knowing the gospel, but hearing, hearing biblical truth said to me, you know, from a very young age. And so I think I always believed in God and I always knew, that Jesus said on the cross for my sins. Um, But I, when I was nine, was in a fight with my brother and my mom was disciplining us and brought us together to talk You know about the sin, whatever it was that we were fighting about. And just kind of, she really took the time to enter into a conversation with us that was, you know, it was the middle of the day. I'm sure it was a frustration that we were fighting and she just got really serious and looked at me and was like, this is why jesus had to die this this sin right now you know what you guys are dealing with this is why he died on the cross for your sins and he loves you and he offers you you know salvation and just really explained the gospel to me in such a clear way and at such a moment where i was able to hear it for the first true time it really sunk in it really like it really cut me to the core. And I just started weeping and saying he didn't have to do it for me. He didn't have to do it for me over and over again. And I was just undone. I mean, that, that is the moment that I really believe I truly understood what, you know, what all those Sunday school stories were about and why I should care. It wasn't just, uh, you know, a hobby, something to do on Sunday, but it was true and it impacted my life. So, So that was, you know, that was my moment, I guess, of salvation, but, um, you know, it's been a a lifetime of I'm 34 years old of, um, God pursuing me and deepening my faith. And, you know, for, I I would say for about, um, a decade until probably about, you know, about three to four years ago, I was, I was probably, um, I was just, I don't know how else to describe it, but sort of like a, an average Christian like someone that believed certainly I know I was saved, but didn't have a lot of discernment, didn't really study the Bible. I mean, I knew enough to know like it, what what the Bible said, but I just didn't have a, a strong passion or desire myself right. um, to have a close relationship with God and through um my husband and I actually we were in a church that, became really, uh, an apostate church that was teaching unbiblical things and, and really just all kinds of doctrines that we needed. We realized, thankfully the Holy spirit really revealed to us that we need to get out of that church through leaving that in that whole process, getting into a biblical church, um, my faith has just deepened exponentially you know a church that preaches the gospel or pre- preaches scripture expositionally and shares the gospel every week and um is not you know uh just kind of adopting cultural cultural messages or you know using scripture as a springboard to share their own agenda um it's my faith has deepened in my relationship with god and my my discernment and all of those things have just um, you know, skyrocketed, I would say in, in to a degree that I, I certainly didn't even know I had that far to go. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, when I look back, I'm like, wow, like, where was I? I don't know. I I feel like I had just been lulled to sleep though in this church. And so, um, yeah, I'm just so thankful that he did not give up on me, you know, that he has so much grace and, um, but that his truth, like, uh, doesn't leave us where we are you know it doesn't say oh it's okay like you're good it's like no like come and learn and grow and desire truth and be fed and like there's this feast available to us and so many so many Christians are just kind of floating along along on crumbs you know
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's true well thank you for sharing your beautiful testimony with us and you pointed out some great points you know that you're in a uh, church now that does your pastor does expository preaching you know and I think that's just beautiful because it's kind of rare um but it's much needed we do need to go line by line verse by verse and your mom you know as parents we do need to take everyday moments or everyday um situations you know that go that take place in our household to point our children to Christ you know um especially when we're having to parent them so I appreciate your mom doing that as well and you incorporating that in your testimony because it's beautiful yeah um as far as uh, our episode today goes, we're discussing politics and believers, um, or should they be involved in politics? And I guess mm-hmm. what we should start out at is defining what are politics.
0: Yeah. So I mean, if you if you Google it, the the actual definition is activities associated with the governance of a country or other area, um, especially the debate or conflict among individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think about politics, I don't think of that definition. I just think of, um, cause practically when it comes down to my individual involvement, um, what it means to me, which, you know, I, I usually avoid that, that statement, what it means to me, but, but what we should think about when we are talking about p- engaging in politics is how do I relate to those people around me, to my neighbors, to my actual neighbors, the people in my city, my state, my country, and then ultimately the world. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really just relationships between both people and individuals, and then, um, obviously larger groups such as entire countries. So, um, so yeah, that's what politics is the interplay, you know, um, what, how, how we live together, how we actually function as a society, because obviously when people come together, Mm -hmm. um, you know you are not in a bubble. You're not in a vacuum. You exist around other people. We all know this, whether you live in an apartment or a house or, um, whatever it may be, you recognize that like in community, what you do affects other people. If you're living in an apartment, you play loud music, your neighbors are going to hear you and hit the bang on the wall, you know, or if you have a bunch of cars show up at your house and they park in the street and block your neighbor's driveway you're going to inconvenience them. They're going to be frustrated and come over and say, Hey, you gotta get, you know, so it's that where does, where do our lives meet? And then what do we do at that meeting point? You know, what, where's the overlap and how do we live together as, you know, people with individual God-given rights, Mm -hmm. but also with people as people with a, with some amount of free will, able to make choices, able to live in the world and do different things. Like how does that actually all work out?
1: man oh, thank you for that now when in terms of God's word you know could you give us some examples of individuals um, involved in politics and God's word
0: okay <clears throat> well I guess I'm gonna um, what I would say is ultimately I don't think that we can find someone in in scripture who who wasn't involved in politics if mm-hmm. you really, um, if you look at it the way I just described, mm. right, everybody in, in some way, shape or form interacted with other human beings mm. and did things that either, either infringed on that person's rights or did not or upheld them or uh, defended them. Now, obviously, there are some really specific and, and notable examples where we see people resisting authorities. Um, we see people engaging, you know, resisting the rule of law that the government at the time had said, this is what is legal. Like we see the, um, Jewish midwives who, you know, did not obey, uh, the directive, the mandate to kill the firstborns of, um, in order, you know, for Jesus to, um, yeah, no. So the Jewish midwives in Egypt that, um, you know, said no to Pharaoh that they were not going to kill, um, the babies. I mean, they obviously didn't reveal that they did that in secret, but they, they disobeyed the government there. Um, and then in Daniel, you know, Daniel does not eat the King's food and he prays publicly. And, um, in acts five, we see Peter and the apostles, um, saying we must obey God rather than men, Um, and obviously everyone is familiar or most people probably are familiar with Romans 13, which, um, you know, lays out how the government is to operate. It indicates that we, even as Christians are subject to governing authorities. And, um, you know, I think that the thing that is hard for people right now today, because of the things going on in our world, it's, it's, what's hard for people to remember is that government was God's design. It was his idea. So it is not inherently bad. It's actually a good system when it operates the way he says. Now, obviously we know as Christians that most people, many people involved in any level of government are not necessarily going to be believers. They're not going to have transformed hearts and minds. They're not going to be being submitted to God. And so we recognize that there is then the potential and possibility and not just that, but likelihood that there will be abuse of that power that has been given to them by God. There will be infringement of that power that they were given that God has put in place as a good measure of restraining evil and rewarding good, but there will be people who abuse it. And that's what we're obviously seeing play out today in um, pretty much across the, the entire globe, especially places like Canada and Australia, you see governments abusing God-given power. And, um, and so, but I just say that to say that, uh, government is good. It's a good design. And yet when it asks us to submit, uh, to its authority as absolute and final, Mm -hmm. that is when we must obey God rather than men. And so it's a pretty weighty, serious thing. It's not something where I think that we should flippantly be going around being like, Yeah, I'm just going to break all the laws because I don't answer to anyone but God and civil disobedience. Like that should not be our attitude. That would be sinful. And um, that's not how I go around the world at all. Like I hate getting in trouble. I hate getting pulled over. Like I hate breaking any sort of law, no matter how small it -hmm. may be. I am very, uh, very much a law follower, you know, rule follower. Mm -hmm. Um, But if someone or something, some governing body wants to assert itself over God or take the lane, that God has of authority over his church. Well, now we have a problem. Now I have to decide, am I going to obey God who says, go to church, gather with the saints, meet this Sunday, or the government who says, keep your church closed. It's not safe. Mm -hmm. Well, what, you know, who am I going to obey? I can't, I can't obey both at the same time. I'm going to have to disobey someone. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that is, you know, the question that I feel like a lot of Uh, A lot of us have started to really weigh and ask and, and think through in a variety of different scenarios, am I obeying God or men in this thing? And, um, and is this thing, something that God would say, you have to obey the government. Obviously that's a very, um, complicated, complex conversation that people have written books on, but, um, we know that scripture does tell us that to go against your own conscience, if you are submitted to God is to sin. And so, um, you know, if you are pursuing, um, you know, wisdom and God is, a, you are praying and prayerfully considering different decisions that, you know, for instance, vaccination and, and you decide that you want to get that, or you don't want to get that, then you, you have a conscience for a reason. God gave you a conscience. And so to go against that and to do something that you were convicted not to do, would then make that simple for you, or you know, for instance, to wear a mask. Um, you know, this was an argument that I made to my daughter's school uh, the last last year. They had a mask mandate, and I was like, you know, you're you're basically making it so that I have to sin. I have to sin because I'm going against what I believe is actually right. I don't I don't believe this is good for my daughter. I don't believe this is necessary. I think it's actually harming her. And so when by you telling me to do this. And giving me no other option. You are asking me to sin. Um, And they've since changed that policy, which I'm grateful for. But, you know, that was, that was certainly something that I had to really deal with of, um, you know, what do I do here? Because I've got one, one authority telling me to do this. And then I've got another, Mm -hmm. that being, you know, conviction of the Holy Spirit telling me something else.
1: Amen. Thank
0: you for that thorough explanation.
1: <laughs> and um speaking of all of that, then um how do we um what should I say? Um how should I phrase this? In terms of voting, um should should believers vote?
0: Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes, they should. <laughs> um why? I, be, I mean, just basically, it's a it's a practical way to love your neighbor, to um, actually be engaged in what's going on around you. Those relationships that I described that are naturally taking place because you are in proximity to another human being. Um, if you have the ability to have sway on how those relationships look and how those pe- how different people are treated, different people, groups, be whether it's children or elderly or um, the poor or widows or orphans whatever it may be i think we have a, a responsibility before god to um, you know try and further um, the care of any of those groups and the protection of you know the unborn or any at-risk group um, and even just for the sake of also uh you know the bible says in proverbs that if you don't if you don't take care of your own four walls you're worse than an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. So if we aren't, if we aren't, you know, if we have the ability and we are given this right in the United States today to vote and to influence policies that impact our own four walls, our own homes, our own families, and we don't do that, what does that say about our conviction? Does that say that we really believe that there is an absolute truth, that we really believe that God's word is true, that it really matters for us to follow. I mean, I, to me that shows, um, a severe lack of conviction and lack of, um, you know, gratitude even to just have been born into such a fortunate time and place, um, as to have a right to vote. I mean, it's just, it's not something that most people have had over, uh, the history of the world. So, so yes, I think a Christian should absolutely vote. Um, and as far as they are able to, and, um, yeah, I think that I mean, obviously, as an American, I'm grateful that we have that right and that, you know, forefathers have gone before and died for our right and people have fought for our right to be able to do so. And, and I just view it as a huge um, loss of, uh, you know, exercising that privilege uh, if people don't.
1: Right. Amen. What what about when it's time to vote? And there's you have two candidates and on both sides, they're they're both don't have any integrity, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. they're both shown shown lack of integrity, you know, this lot of distrust. Um, how do we make a decision then?
0: Yes. So I mean, that's never happened before. So how can you (laughs) talk about that? Uh, Just kidding. Um yeah, so I mean. This is where we have to remember that our hope isn't in, you know, as much as I'm saying it's important for us to exercise our right to vote and to be engaged. We also have to remember that salvation doesn't come through politics or the government or, you know, righteous law or um, upholding of individual rights. That isn't what saves us. That isn't where our hope is hinged. That is not where my eyes are fixed. And I am going to either you know um be completely distraught and destroyed if i lose some rights or puffed up and prideful if i gain or keep those rights i i'm i don't want to be you know contingent on any of those things because those are fleeting this world is is passing away and we know that we are citizens of another kingdom mm-hmm. um and that christ has secured ultimate freedom for us from sin which is our greatest enemy And so um, I think that it is possible for us to both be engaged and also not be so enmeshed in the outcome that we are willing to, um, you know, uh, fudge on moral principles or, you know, um, have the church become too politically active or a, a stage for platforming politicians or even conservatives that we might end up voting for. I I don't think that that's the role of the church. Um, and so when you've got two people who are not Christians, who are, you know, um, just unsaved individuals who are vying for a public office, I would honestly look at which one of them holds to principles and values that most clearly align with scripture. And I recognize that, you know, neither one of them, uh, would I want to be my pastor Um, Neither one of them would I look to as a spiritual guide or leader, or um, even as a moral example. Now, obviously, in a perfect world, I would love for there to be um, a believer with a transformed heart and mind who is, you know, calling shots and making policy decisions. I would love to see that. But Um, we aren't guaranteed that. And, and also my, my hope is not hinged on that either, you know, because it's like, I already have a savior. (laughs) I have a savior. I don't need, I don't need my president to be my savior or my governor to be my savior. I don't need that. And so a lot of times people look to these figureheads as, oh, well, he said this, I could never vote for him. It's like, but what do you expect? He's not saved. He's not a Christian. You know, I mean, I'm not, I guess I'm saying we shouldn't be surprised by sin. We shouldn't be surprised when sinners sin and um you know lesser of two evils i mean it, they're with all without christ romans 323 we've all sinned and fallen short of the god we're all evil without christ right and so we shouldn't have a hard time recognizing that and saying all of these men are evil they are all lost they are fallen they don't have christ but one of them is going to be governor one of them is going to be president which one is going to mirror or most closely align and and hold to the things that are um you know, non-negotiables in scripture, whether it be, you know, uh, gender, gender identity policies or the LGBTQ agenda or, um, the abortion debate or border policies, you know, all of these different issues that we, we know that people have platforms and stances on. I mean, there's going to be one that is more extreme and more radical than the other. And there's going to be one that is a little closer and more conservative or traditional. And, um, You know, it's certainly not to say that I think that every Republican and every conservative is is necessarily always like a totally different um, or better option than the Democrats. Sometimes they're both liars. Sometimes they both say one thing and do another. I, I totally recognize that. But, you know, we can't know the future. All we can do is is the best we have with what we know today.
1: Amen. And that's, you know, part of my testimony, um, just the ignorance that I had in in voting. You know, I grew up and I can't even remember where I got it from, you know, blacks and poor, which I wasn't really even poor. You know, you vote Democrat and the R is for rich Republican, you know. And mm-hmm. so that's how I was brought up. That's how I, you know, that's yeah. how I voted Democrat. Well, when I got saved, you know, um, I had a sister in the Lord tell me. And at the time, Trump was in, in office and she said, you know, well, you need to vote for Trump now, you know, because now you need to look at the policies. And at the time, you know, I don't know what it was about Trump, but it was just, you know, I believe it was just like this anti-Trump spirit going around. Cause I didn't know anything about the man. I was just upset. I did not want him. I did not want to vote for him. I'm not trying to hear what you talking about because I don't mm-hmm. care about these policies. I don't want to vote for him. And yeah. I really believe, you know, by that, that second time it was time to vote, you know, the Holy Spirit had really done a work in my heart because at that time I really did sit down and look at those policies and I was like oh my goodness <laughs> you know this is what I was voting for you know and so at that point you know that's when things took a turn and I did become more conservative in my views and yeah and and I'm grateful that the Lord wound up revealing that to me right um, and that yeah because it was I was like at first just it didn't matter you know yeah yeah um, and, and it
0: was more about the person than the policies right, right yeah. yeah and yeah.
1: Then, even later i was was seeing not to try to get off topic you know but um even seeing how you know trump was saying some things you know and that he shouldn't have been saying but it was mm-hmm. like the media was painting a, a totally different person than what he truly mm-hmm. was you know or worse mm-hmm. than what he was right um, and yeah so- and it's
0: it's not that the person doesn't matter when we say policies over people it doesn't It doesn't mean we don't care who the person is. Right. I mean, it, it, it does matter, but when you're looking at, yeah, I mean, like you said, the media, I mean, obviously that is a, a third, a third party here. That's a whole nother that's, that's basically the campaigning arm for the democratic party. So Mm -hmm. when you realize that it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to get a really negative view of one candidate here. And the other one is going to be painted as a knight in shining armor. In -hmm. reality, they're both sinful. They're both fallen. They're both without Christ. I mean, presuming, I don't know their hearts, but just, you know, hypothetical situation there. Mm -hmm. Um, and and therefore I can't I, I shouldn't have um, I shouldn't allow those things to sway my perception and, and make me believe that really one guy is this, you know, um, moral, uh, you know, trash can. And the other one is like a, a sparkling crystal glass with just no impurities, and no imperfections. I mean, that's just not true either. And so but again, we know that the media and uh, secular media is, is not coming from a place of, hey, their hope is in christ that it's not where their hope is in the outcome of that election and so it is everything to them that Mm -hmm. their candidate looks like the only viable option the only acceptable moral choice right Mm -hmm. so once we see that it's like okay it's a lot easier to go look personalities aside um what are you going to do you Mm -hmm. know i mean it, it really just comes down to that for me and and
1: speaking of that you know something you said regarding um regarding us voting you know in terms of when someone says well god is sovereign you know so i don't need to vote it's not going to change the outcome because god is sovereign
0: oh, okay yeah so i mean this is where i think we confuse whose job the outcome is mm-hmm. with whose job obedience is Amen. are we Are we supposed to be the ones who determine the outcomes? Are we the ones who determine the outcome or is it for us to obey? Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, a a quick glance at scripture is going to show us that, yeah, God is in control and what's going to happen is ultimately up to him, but we are not given an out from obedience because that's true. Um, Proverbs 21, one through three says the King's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Um, uh, and then verse verse three says, "To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice." So, this is talking about how the king is—you know—as much as we view a, a king as someone with this autonomous authority to do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. it describes his heart as a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. So, ultimately. God is sovereign over outcomes. He is the one who hardens and softens hearts. We saw that with Pharaoh and, um, the plagues, you know, he hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the people go. Why does he do things like that always for his glory and our good? I mean, that's an easy, you know, pat answer that, that I'm sure people, um, feel like is just glossing over it, but there he cannot lie. So if God has said, that everything is working together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, then even wicked rulers, even tyrant kings and petty tyrants can be used for good in the life of those who love God um, and to bring him glory ultimately. And I think we so see that right now, don't we? I mean, even in the midst of um, political upheaval and tyrants and all of this government authoritarianism that, so many people are having their eyes opened to corruption and they are then going, Oh my goodness. Like Mm -hmm. I, I am not safe in these. I can't trust these people. This is not a way to live to, you know, um, every four years or ever, however your government functions to, you know, think that I'm either going to be saved or, um, or to despair based on who gets elected. That's just not a way to live. And that's a perfect opportunity for us to then enter with the gospel, um, and to share the truth with them and share hope with them. So, so I think, um, yeah, outcomes are not on us. We, we don't produce the fruit. We don't open spiritual eyes. We don't transform hearts. God does that, but we, are called to be faithful and obedient. And, um, you know, and that childlike faith means that we trust our father. We trust that he is, is working everything for, for good. Amen. Thank you.
1: What about, um, when, you know, you hear the term, or hear others say, um, well, people are going to do it anyway. You know, people are going to still have back alley abortions. People are going to still be in same sex relationships. So my vote doesn't matter in that
0: area. Um, yeah, again, I think that comes down to the outcomes question and, and if something's going to happen, does that mean that it ceases to become right or wrong? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, just because, um, someone is going to do something, does that mean we then legalize it? You know, does that mean we then stamp rubber stamp, approve it and say, Okay, well if you're going to do it anyway, then then I guess I'll just I'll just make that acceptable. I'll just change the rules. You know, knowing, I mean as a parent, think of your kids like you know they're going to disobey. You know they're they're going to sin because we know that they are sinful human beings. We we know that we should expect that. Um any mom with a child older than, you know, 18 1 year or 18 months old is like, yeah, I I know that my kid is sinful and um, I shouldn't say any mom. Any Christian parent, which I'm guessing is who is who, we're, who we're talking to today, but um you don't knowing that your kid is sinful or, or is going to take something from their brother, right? Doesn't mean you say, okay, since you're going to do that thing, I'm just gonna go ahead and, and make that okay. Mm-hmm. and say that you're never going to get disciplined when you do it, because I know you're going to do it anyway. So let's just change. Mm-hmm. let's just lower the bar. Let's lower the standard. That's going to have a good impact on your morality. That's going to have a good impact on your ability to have relationships or friendships. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that would be destruction for that child. That kid is never going to get invited to anybody's birthday party or anyone's house. Cause he's going to be a brat. He's going to yeah. be a punk. Nobody's going to like him, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, just because someone's going to do something doesn't mean we lower the bar and say, okay, Let's just take that off the table. Um, we have nothing to say about the morality of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible says that uh, God's law is written on the hearts of men. And um, I was sharing about this on Instagram today earlier that, you know, the heavens declare the, gl- the glory of God and every man is without excuse. So, um, well, actually, that the every, every man is without excuses from um, the verse. I didn't look this one up, but about um, Romans 1. Is that, is that where it is? That yes. sounds right. I want to have the reference there. Yes. There you go. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine, um, and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've got that inside of us. We've got the moral law, the 10 commandments. That's how a child even knows that hitting is wrong or stealing is wrong or lying is wrong. Even if their parent hasn't raised them with a biblical worldview, even if they've never heard the Bible, they just instinctively know it's not nice to take things. It's not nice to hit. They just know. Um, And unless of course their conscience has become seared by doing it so many times and never getting disciplined. But at one point they knew that that was wrong. And so um, for us to deny that and to um, say that, you know, we're going to change. We're, we're just going to, you know, let go of all standards just because someone's going to do something is, um, yeah, there's no permission for us to do that in scripture. There's really no room for the Christian to, um, lower the standard because it's not a standard. We set it's a standard God set. And so we don't get to move the bar. He has, he has told us, Oh man, what is good. Um, and Micah six, eight says that what does God require of you, but to do justice, walk humbly and love mercy, I mean, that's how we're to live in community. That's how we're to vote. That's how we're to be a good neighbor to, um, you know, live in relationship with other people.
1: Amen. And speaking of which, how do we get involved in politics?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that this is going to be very individualized based on your life season, your capacity. Um, I think people, think too rigidly about this and they think it means I have to run for office or I have to join a board or mm-hmm. something like that um for me right now I'm not um running for any office of any kind I'm I'm merely voting and using my voice to say what is true to um point people to the truth I mean I think it's as simple as that show up to vote um, wherever you are invited and asked to vote, whether that is a local election or a federal election, um, do those things. I mean, know what's going on in your city. If there are things that are, um, being voted on that, that are either, you know, um, cause there are certainly some policies that are, there's sort of like a, either one could be good, right? Like not everything has a moral black and white reality. For instance, what day is trash pickup? If they're voting to change it from Thursday to Friday, like, does that, is there a moral implication on that? I don't think so, but obviously there are other policies that do impact people, um, in a, in a very real and serious way. And so, yeah, just being, being aware of what those things are, um, knowing what, who your county commissioners are, if that's what you have, where I have, we have, you know, a board of county commissioners that gets elected and they're all on kind of different schedules and it can be a little. Uh, it can be a lot actually to keep up with. And, and it's certainly not my full-time job to do that, but you know, just as simple as following for some Facebook pages for those, um, organizations, keeping a little bit in touch with what's going on. What are they voting on? Oh my goodness. Look, they're the ones who are now, um, in charge of voting on mask policy for the entire County. And that impacts my kids. And even if it didn't impact my kid, it impacts my friend's kids. And so, You know, I want to show up to that. I want to, um, for me, I signed up to speak at one of those events. And, um, you know, that's another thing. Like some of these uh, meetings have open invitations for people to sign up to speak or to voice concerns. I mean, just being engaged, I think you'd be surprised, is um, easier than you think if you just look for it. Uh, But, you know, if you're a mom with little kids and you can't get out and have a babysitter and all those things, I think having conversations with people, being willing to say what is true with love and grace, um, in conversations. I mean, that is being involved in politics that is, uh, you know, engaging and, and putting your neck out there to, you know, again, to stand for what is true, to point to the truth, to remind people where our hope is, but at the same time, say that doesn't mean we have an out to not be engaged, um, and to not love people practically in this way.
1: Amen. Amen. And Kaylee, in closing, do you have any other words of encouragement
0: for the listeners? (sighs) Um, you know, I think for me lately with all of the crazy headlines and everything that's been going on, you know, when you open your social media feed, there's just, it's almost like, what am I going to see today? You know, there's always something terrible happening, um and it's really sad and really hard to watch those things unfolding and see people that we love being impacted by um such terrible policies mm-hmm. uh but for me uh, it's been really encouraging at the same time to remember that we do not live in just a physical world we live in a spiritual world and so everything that is happening that we can see with our eyes that is physically occurring, whether it be, you know, trucks being removed from Ottawa, Canada, or people being arrested, or, you know, people being locked down and, and vaccine mandates and people not being able to move about the country or leave freely or whatever, and just this um really human rights abuses, like where we see that mm-hmm. at the very same time, there is a spiritual battle going on. And so it is not merely uh, flesh and blood that we are warring against. It is, um, you know, as Ephesians six says, like the rulers, uh, and principalities and, you know, evil forces in the heavenly realms that are warring for people's souls. And so when we remember that, um, the reason that gives me hope and peace is to know that I know who wins that spiritual battle at the end of the day, It doesn't mean that the physical battle is going to end up exactly as I hope it might, or that I voted that it might. I, I, again, I'm not in charge of outcomes, but um, it just reignites me to stay engaged in the spiritual battle that is always taking place and to encourage people with truth, to point them to the gospel, to um, just build them up and uh, you know, speak, speak what is true in the face of the lie. And Trust that God is using all of this to build his kingdom and, and, and us, and we can be a part of that. We can take, um, take part in being involved. And I mean, what a blessing, like he didn't have, he didn't have to include us or involve us, but he has chosen to. Mm -hmm. And so that's a privilege. If you are someone that knows the truth, speak it like we need everyone who knows what is true, speaking it today, um, via every means that they have. Mm -hmm.
1: Amen. Amen. And speaking of God's kingdom, will you share the gospel with our listeners?
0: Yes, absolutely. Love to. So the truth is that uh, there is a God. He has a perfect standard. He is holy. He is perfectly righteous. And he says that his standard has to be met. Now, we aren't capable of meeting that standard. We never have been since the garden of Eden, Eve fell and they, uh, with that choice to disobey and break God's law, they brought all of humanity into sin with them. And so we are incapable of actually meeting that perfect standard of righteousness that is required to have relationship with God, but Jesus Christ, the son of God came into the world to, uh, save sinners to die on the cross and to become that perfect atoning sacrifice for us so that if we believe in him and we turn and repent from our sins um, and recognize him as Lord and as the Messiah that we can have peace with God we can be brought into relationship with him we can become sons and daughters not just um you know not enemies but ha- be welcomed in and grafted in to the vine so uh, that is you know, that is where we have our hope as Christians. We know that, um, we can't make ourselves good enough. We can't earn our salvation. There no works can save us. Um, even our most righteous works are as filthy rags, but when you believe in Jesus, you do not have to work for salvation, but rather you obey and love God because he has saved you because he has redeemed you and made you new. So, um, yeah, if you don't have a relationship with him and don't know him and don't don't know that to be truth, um, that is available. You can make that choice today. You can, you know, the gospel, what I always say is the gospel requires a response. Like Mm -hmm. you can't hear that message and do nothing. You either reject it or you accept it as true and you submit to it. So Mm -hmm. would love to invite you to do that today. If you haven't.
1: Amen. And if you decide to, you can reach out to Haley or myself, and we'll celebrate with you and get you plugged into a good Bible teaching church. And Haley, if you will um, share with the listeners how they can connect with you.
0: Sure. Um, Yeah. So my website is at KindledPodcast.com, and uh, you'll find episodes and um, all of the show notes there for my podcast, Kindled Podcast. But um, I'm the most active on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, unfortunately because it's the most like censoring platform that there is. but uh, I have profiles uh, at haley.kindled and at kindled.haley. So both of those are where you can find me. All right, thank you so much Haley and
1: thank you again for joining us, sharing your wisdom and God's truth with us and thank you guys for tuning in. grace and peace until next time.